Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Shanae. Hi, Bola. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to have this conversation today. Yes. Yeah, so welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation with you as well. And we're going to be talking about how you were able to increase your income by essentially leveraging help at work, by asking for help at work. And it kind of sounds really simple. Well, she asked for help and she got a raise. <laughs> and yeah. it is simple, but it's it's really important to highlight that you have to ask so I'm excited to talk to you about exactly what that looked like for you, where you were in your career, how you got that raise, what the help you asked for was. Before we dive in, please tell everyone who you are and what you do. Absolutely. I'm Shanae Brown. I'm a leadership coach for Black women in corporate and tech. I'm based out of the New York City area, and I'm also the founder of No Cream in This Coffee. We are a career development company creating better work experiences and workplaces for Black women. I had a background in HR, so I was a corporate girly myself, but a couple of years ago, I decided to take this leap of faith and address some of the issues that I felt like were being overlooked ignored and in some cases dismissed in the workplace. So that's when I launched No Cream in This Coffee. And present day, you know, we provide one-on-one leadership coaching for early to mid-career professionals, career development workshops for employee resource groups. And we have a monthly community conversation called The Healing Hour, where we get together on Zoom and sometimes in person to discuss what are some of the issues and barriers that Black women face in a workplace and how we're going to overcome it. So that's what we do. And that's who I am. I love it. And I adore the name of your business, No Cream in This Coffee. And that's also the name of your website, NoCreamInThisCoffee.com. I love it. It's genius. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to jump into your story and I'm going to, I guess, preface a little bit, right? So you had gotten a new job. And about eight months after you joined the company, the manager who hired you told you that they were leaving. So I'd love for you to talk about what that moment was like when your manager announced that she was leaving and how did it impact your role within the company? Because this is where this is like the baseline for when you were like, okay, things are happening. 
I need help. I need a raise, et cetera. But in that moment where your manager was like, okay, hey, Shanae, I'm out. <laughs> yes. Um, what so happened? <laughs> what makes this story so interesting is my manager wasn't the first person to tell me. Like I literally found oh. out from the new manager <laughs> that <laughs> my my current manager was leaving the organization and my new manager walked up to me at my desk and was like, you and I have going are going to be spending a lot of time together and working very closely together with, you know, because such and such is leaving. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so I was so confused in that moment. I felt so awkward and I felt sad because my current manager at the time brought me into the organization. We had worked together previously and she like brought me into the organization, looked out for me, advocated for me, was literally like my sponsor. So I was definitely confused didn't know what to do. And about two days later, that's when she broke the news to me of like, hey, I'm leaving. And even in that moment, I still didn't know. I'm like, this is so awkward. Like I found this out two days ago. And I know as like HR professionals, we are literally trained to practice discretion and keep things confidential. So I was like, do I say that I know about this already? Or I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and allow her to tell me what she's comfortable sharing with me and figure out how I'm going to um, navigate this new relationship. Wow. So, and that's, you know, I find that interesting because a lot of times, interesting for us to talk about because a lot of times when you're brought into a company by a manager, like you said, that's your sponsor. That's the person you're leaning to for advice. That's the person you're hoping to guide you through this role. In addition to maybe your peers and other coworkers, but typically I've always looked at the person who hired me as my go-to person, especially if they're working in my department. Absolutely. Um, and it wasn't like a generic hire. Like if they're working in my department, I'm reporting to them, I'm seeing them in meetings. They're my go-to person, at least while I get acclimated <laughs> in the company. Yeah. And so the fact that you're hearing from somebody else like, on the grapevine that she's... <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was not handled the best, but yeah. I think... For me to be thrown in that situation, I, I give myself a lot of credit for like handling it how I did with such professionalism, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, I could have my personal feelings about yes. it, but this is a business decision. It has nothing to do with me. And Absolutely. one of the things that I loved about my leader at the time was how much she advocated for me, mm -hmm. even until she left the organization. She wrote up my performance review because we were coming into that season where performance evaluations um, from our managers will have to be submitted. And I was like, can you write this before you leave? Because if you're not here, who's going to know that I'm a star? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I had to like and she did it for me. She was still like still advocating for me to get promoted up until the day she left. So I really appreciate her for that. And that's awesome because she didn't have to do that because she was leaving the company. She was done, right? And I think that just shows that she had the characteristics of a good person and a good leader. Absolutely. She wasn't, even though she was leaving, she wasn't going to, she didn't check out on everything else completely, which unfortunately that does happen. I've had experiences in the yeah. world where somebody's leaving and it was like to hell with all of you. <laughs> yeah, I've had like, care even if, in, you, if you fail or not. <laughs> Yes, yes. Like people get caught up in their own stuff. But she was such a great leader. And always one, one of the things that I loved most about her is how much she cared for her team.
Like mm-hmm. she put us in position to win, to shine. And I love that about her. I love that. And then you'll be, you'll now be able to, you know, based on that experience, pay it forward. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So as she was leaving, there's now a major departmental restructure happening in your company <laughs> or in <laughs> your, in your section. And yes. because the boss is gone, it's now on you. You're the new boss. And so, you know, as a, a woman in the workplace, being pushed into this scenario that you were not expecting or anticipating how did you feel emotionally I know you mentioned that it's business but obviously even at work we carry emotions whether we show them or not and what challenges did you face being tasked with a major role like that or leading a departmental restructure because I can imagine when a department is getting restructured uh, in an organization there's a lot of feelings. Some people maybe let go. Some people might be upset about the new roles. There might be a lot of politics at play. Just a lot of dynamics to it. Uh, walk us through that. Sure. So I had, I would say, mixed feelings. There was a piece of me who was excited. Like I consider myself a lifelong learner. So if there is an opportunity to learn something new, I'm all for it. And mm-hmm. me knowing that this is going to stretch me and stretch opportunities often lead to advancement as well as more money that excited me and about so when it comes to like the reorg i had supported another reorg like my first or no my second month joining the organization and was literally thrown into this project that was happening and from that first reorg earlier in the year i received I received a spot bonus for that. So I'm like, I'm two months on the job. <laughs> I'm getting spot bonuses. So I was excited about doing this reorg. However, I had never designed an org from scratch. <laughs> so I did not know where to start. When I first joined the company, there were already conversations that were happening. So I was able to jump in in terms of like leading certain pieces of the projects as opposed to now I have to lead the project from start to finish in partnership with the chief marketing officer. So the the stakes were pretty high. So the excitement wore off once I realized how much was at stake. And then that's when I started to feel, you know, all the things in terms of fear, the self-doubt, like, can I do this? Can I do this by myself? And I had to wrestle with that and really overcome that in order to get to the other side of it. One of the things that you mentioned that I really love is that before you talked about wrestling with the emotions of fear, et cetera, you talked about how you had had, maybe not the exact experience, but you had done something like this. And you also mentioned that you consider yourself a lifelong learner, like you're always learning. And I think those, you know, leaning on the experience that you did have, even though it wasn't the exact experience and the mindset you had about being open to learn, even with those emotions of you know like fear and et cetera that you're feeling I think that is so important to have because that's what allows you to be confident in pushing forward in a role like that and I think for anyone who's listening who is being put into a new space at work a different space at work an uncomfortable space a situation you never planned for but hey you're here and you have to deal with it um you're going to feel those emotions you're going to have imposter syndrome you're going to you know have all these feelings but lean into who you know you are, right? Mm-hmm, you are hired yes. in a company for a reason, which means you have some experience. It may not be the same. You may not be similar, but you can lean on something. And if you consider yourself a learner, which most of us are who are listening to this podcast, we're all learning. That's why yeah. we're here. Right? <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> 
you know how to figure this out. And so those emotions are now like they're there, but they're, they don't define your success in doing that role. So you yes. did mention self-doubt. How did you overcome those fears? Especially now you have this added pressure of the, the workload that you were hired to do, but now this organizational change that you were spearheading. How do you navigate and overcome those fears? Yes. So the fear piece and in terms of wrestling with the self-doubt, I always like to remind myself that I am only scared because it's new. Mm-hmm. And to the point that you made earlier, only one aspect was new. Like I've done it before, but in more of like a support capacity. Now I'm leading. So I had some of the tools. I just didn't have the beginning of like, okay, where do I start? I know how to execute, but in terms of like strategizing and determining how we're going to design the department, those conversations were already happening before I got to the organization the first time around. So now it's a totally different ballgame where everything's on me. And I needed to remind myself that I'm scared because it's new. That's it. I just need to find the information that I need in order to succeed. So I did some research of like, how do I just a Google search of like, how do you do a reorganization or redesign and did some, I went deep into like org design blogs and, and I don't remember the names of the blogs now, but that's what I did back then. And something clicked to me. It was like, just have a conversation about it. There's someone in this organization more experienced than you have mm-hmm. a conversation about it. But, and, and I know we'll get to that piece later, but then I had to wrestle with that. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a black woman. This person may think that I'm incompetent if I ask these questions, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a process in terms of overcoming the fear and wrestling with that self-doubt. So you just made that last point at the end, right? <laughs> As a black woman feeling that they think I'm incompetent, et cetera. So you're navigating this role. How did you, how did your identity as a black woman influence that role and your approach to seeking help and advocating for yourself in the workplace? So I think because I am black and we are typically underrepresented in the in the workplace and especially in corporate America where there aren't many sort of examples where you see and especially in leadership positions like I worked out of um, the company's New York office and there weren't any people who were more senior than me that were black and Mm -hmm a black women. Like it was just like, there were no examples within that office. And I'm like, whoa, this is interesting. So not only am I a black woman, I'm also first generation corporate. So it was instilled in me to value education. You go to school, you get this good job. Right. But then there were also other things that were instilled in me throughout, I would say, childhood in terms of work twice as hard, hard work is going to pay off. And all those things are true until you get to corporate America and see that there are people who are not working hard, (laughs) but they still have access to opportunities, right? And I think another thing in terms of identity that showed up as I was navigating this challenge was the thought process of never let people see you sweat. 
So I know in my community, like we don't typically ask for help. Like, and, and like we may ask, like my family members, we may ask each other for help, but outside of the community, you don't really let anybody know that you need help. So I'm like, okay, so I'm never supposed to let people see me sweat. But if I'm first generation corporate, who do I go to if I'm sweating? Yep. Yep. That that's 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 very true. And that's why it's so important for us to have these conversations and have our network of people, women like us, women you can identify with that you can have these conversations with and, and go to for support and for guidance. Yes, 100%. And I'm so thankful that, I mean, at the time that this was going on, I was also in therapy. So I leveraged my therapist heavily yes. to <laughs> help me. All about therapy. Listen, there's no shame in that. And it's, yes. it's such a good outlet, right? You like... Oh, it is therapy the best and adrenaline thing. combined. Listen, get it out of your head. Yeah. Oh, I journal <laughs> every day. Like that, that is my, that is my thing. And I'm so grateful that I did have those resources in terms of therapy, journaling, mm-hmm. because that's when my logical self started kicking in, right? Where something clicked, where I had the thought of, if my new leader thinks that I'm incompetent for not knowing how to deliver on a stretch project, like the project itself is designed to stretch me. Any leader who knows that they're giving you a stretch project knows that this is above your Mm -hmm. job level, pay grade, whatever you call it, right? And I was just like, well, if this leader thinks that I'm incompetent, then that ain't the leader for me. And I had to ask myself, like, what happens if you don't get the information that you need to do? this job well. And it's very important for me as a former overachiever (laughs) to do (laughs) things well, right? And like, it was very important for me to deliver above what's expected because I know that when I do over deliver at times, there's more money involved. So I'm like, if I don't get this information, then get my coins and that's a problem for me. So I had to push through all of that. I love that. So you did mention that, you know, a new leader was brought in, you know, so talk about meeting your new leader as you're working through this reorg. Did you feel confident being able to speak to them about your role, to get answers for what you were working through? How did you, how was it navigating this new big role and then having a new leader in place? So having the new leader in place was amazing. And This leader was one of the most brilliant people I've ever worked with. Like, I've been blessed to have really great leaders, but in terms of how he navigated corporate politics, his decision making, like to be able to learn from him was such a great experience. Now, the initial rollout of like the initial introduction was a little challenging because I was like, is my job? Like, what, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is happening here? And I was honest about that. And one of the things that, one of the things that I decided to do, so I decided sometimes to like travel to where he was to make sure that I had that visibility, right? That FaceTime with him. And when he was in New York, um, and one of the times that he was in New York, I was like, hey, can I meet with you to talk about this reorg? The only time that he had available 
was six, like 6 p.m. on a Friday night. So I was like, oh gosh, like really? Um, I want to go home. And this is like the only time that I can get the information that I needed. So I staying late. It was cold and dark by the time I got home, <laughs> but I ended up staying late and I, I was like, hey, I just need you to let me know where to start. This is my, and I was, I was honest and vulnerable and saying, this is my first time leading this from start to finish. So I'm going to need a little guidance. And we sat in a conference room and he mapped out how he thought like I, I could start. And then we brainstormed ideas based on like the historical knowledge that I knew about the marketing department. And it was one of the most productive conversations I ever had. And I got the information that I needed. And I was like, oh, I'm so like, I walked away feeling so glad and thankful that I pushed through the fear because after we had that conversation, he told me, he was like, being able to ask for help is true confidence. And that's something that stayed with me. He was like, when you can admit you don't know everything, that's when you're confident. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just unlocked something here. Yeah. So I was really, really grateful that he spent that time with me and going through that. And asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign. It is not. You want to know more. You want to improve. It is not a sign of weakness. I don't know where that idea comes from, that when people are asking for help, that it's a sign of weakness because we don't know how to do it. We can't do it. Like, take that idea and flip it. And like, you're asking for help because you want to do better, because you want to learn how to do it, because you want to excel. It's not a, it's not a negative, it's a positive. And in your case, it was a really good positive because this was a leader that you asked for help, the manager or whoever you asked for help that led you to getting your big raise bonus. Right. So I yes. want to talk about that more. So as you, you just discussed the first time you reach out to this leader to ask for help around this reorg, et cetera, was it like now an ongoing, Hey, I need help here. How did you navigate asking for help? And then was he or she then recognizing your efforts? How did, how did that play out? How did the help asking for help lead to the bonus and the raise? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the help actually, so once he gave me, um, the starting point, I had all the other pieces to execute. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we just need a little direction and he put me on the path to execute. And I was like, okay, so now that I know, I need to understand the business strategy first, right? So what is the overall business strategy? Where are we going? Then how does marketing fit into that, right? So once we know how does marketing fit into that, what are our priorities for the marketing department? And this is my role as an HR business partner to help the senior leaders come up with the department's priorities. Once we have that information, it's like, what are the roles that we need in order to execute on this strategy? So once I did that, it's like, okay, who are the people? So now from a talent, a talent management standpoint, we have to then say, okay, who are the people needed to execute this role? So what was cool about the project is because I'm an HR business partner and I'm having meetings with um, mid-level mid leaders, first-line managers, I knew who were the star players on their teams as well. So the senior leaders may have insight 
into like their direct reports and their direct reports, direct reports, I had insight to further down in the organization. And I'm like, no, this is a star player. This is somebody to watch. Let's give them the opportunity to step into this role. I know that they're interested in taking on more leadership responsibilities. Let's see if they can get, let's give them some team management responsibilities. So honestly, I had so much fun doing the project. And when the project was over in terms of like, designing the organization, seeing who the key players are, map writing communication so that we understand leaders have talking points to explain why we're doing this reorganization and how it ties to the overall strategy and direction of the business. And so I'm like, okay, I'm writing communication, all these things. And I just like really killed it. And my manager called me one day and was like, you did a really, really great job. So proud. You're getting the max amount of the spot bonus. So here it was not even like the annual target bonus. This was the spot bonus. So define a spot bonus for folks who are not familiar with that. Sure. So a spot bonus is literally a bonus that you get on the spot. (laughs) So it's typically (laughs) rewarded for right now. You did great. Here it is. (laughs) Yes. And it's typically rewarded for people who have gone above and beyond their typical role. So if it's a special project, let's say you're working on a cross-functional project um, that is outside of your day-to-day responsibilities or you're working on something that is really going to transform the business, that's what um, you may get a spot bonus for. And I've gotten spot bonuses previously at other organizations in the form of like gift cards. One time my manager was like, take yourself to a fancy dinner. Like it, like I've always gotten these sort of rewards. So once I know what's available to me, I know how to get it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So you qualified for the highest spot bonus, you met all the requirements, you asked for help from the boss, he recognized that, right? Yes. That is so important. And so now you're teaching other Black women, other women about, through your leadership coaching, how to do the same thing, how to ask for help, how to advocate for themselves. You're essentially paying it forward. For someone who is in that space, they're new to an organization and they want to do well, they want to excel in this place, they want to get those spot bonuses, they want to get that next high raise, they want to be recognized by leadership. What advice would you give them based on your experience and how you coach your clients? Uh, Because I think, especially for women, whether you're Black, you're a woman of color, you know, Whoever you are as somebody who identifies as female, it is so important to be more vocal and to ask for help and to advocate for yourself in the workplace because we we typically don't, right? And it works against us because people expect us not to. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> Many mm-hmm. times they expect us to be a pushover or they don't recognize our efforts because they just expect us to do it because they know we will do it because that's the nature of us as females. It's inherently in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so I would love for you to give advice to someone who's listening to this, who's in that space where I'm doing a great job at my job. I'm doing a great job at my work. I like my job, but I'm I'm not being recognized in the way I want to. And I'm struggling to ask for help. And there's all these other people, maybe some guys who are barely working, <laughs> but yeah. they're both 
bonuses and they're getting the, the raises because they're out there and they look like superstars, but I know that they're not doing as much as me. And I know I'm just as qualified or I'm more qualified for them. Please tell that person listening. <laughs> mm, so if you are that person <laughs> listening, I will tell you that you are following an old playbook. Working twice as hard and hoping someone will pay attention is not going to advance your career. And that was a realization that I had to come to because I realized that the reason why I could lead a department reorg with our chief marketing officer um, was the very reason why I was an HR assistant privy to conversations and business changes and org changes that were happening and having access to senior leaders back then. I literally, from the time I was an HR assistant, I literally focused on building my credibility. So um, performing well, so that way people trusted that I could get the job done. I think also the confidence that I have in myself allows others to feel confident and, you know, and trust me, right? Trust is so important when we think about navigating our careers and then the connection. So who I'm connected to matters. And I know you had asked this about like if someone's new to an organization, what's a strategy or tip that I would give? I think sometimes when we start a company, we start focusing on the performance piece of like, I'm going to show them I'm working twice as hard. And we miss the opportunity to build those connections. So one of the things that I do with my clients is having them shift their mindset to focus when you are a new hire. Focus on learning the key players. Focus on the relationships that you need to build, right? Who do you need to have a tight relationship with in order for you to succeed in this environment and in order for you to thrive in this environment? So if I'm being honest, my strategy has always been to look at I think about, I think corporate America is very similar to school in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's so similar to school. So I, when it comes to senior leadership, right? And this is the first time I'm breaking it down like this, but when it comes to senior leadership, the same way we see teachers have quote unquote favorite kids, even though they deny it. Senior oh, leaders yes. have favorites as well. Yes. And you notice that in who's getting the recognition, whose team is getting highlighted. So I always wanted to work for the leaders who are self-assured, because if my leader is self-assured, that confidence is going to translate in other things. Mm -hmm. So fine. So if you are new to the organization, Find the folks that are confident and self-assured because that's who you want to be connected to. Those folks typically know how to advocate for themselves and they know how to advocate for others. I I couldn't agree with you more. And I would add that sometimes it can be, in my experience, can be intimidating to connect with those people who are confident, self-assured leaders in the workplace because, you know, they're like they're big players or they're, they're super successful at work and they might also be really busy. And I remember like, for me, 
as an introvert, it was challenging for me to, to connect with those people, but I would I would put it on my to-do list for that day. And even if it meant walking really quick with this person as they're rushing to another meeting to introduce myself. <laughs> or yes, get yes. Minutes with them as they're running to get a salad, I'm running with them. Yeah, this, that, and I'm talking to them. I would do it anyway. You don't need an hour. Yes, yes. You can meet them for five minutes every now and then whenever they whenever they have an opportunity, whenever you get a chance as you're walking from one meeting to another meeting, if you're in the office, before a Zoom meeting is starting, if they join early, hey, my name is Bola, I just want to introduce myself, I'd love to connect with you, or I just had a quick question about XYZ. Like, it does, there doesn't need to be any big formality or structure about it. And I think when you think about it that way, it's less intimidating because a lot of times you think about meeting a senior executive or someone who's a superstar at work and in your mind, you just bring all this formality. Well, I have to type this formal email, you know, and then ask for, ask to meet them. And it just becomes too much work. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you gave those, those ways and strategies where someone can do it. Because I'm, I tell my clients all the time, start small. It doesn't have to be like, oh, we're meeting once a month or every quarter, putting it on our calendar. That's great when you can get to that point. But start small. And it starts in those meet where those team meetings or department meetings where the head of your department is sharing the strategy in like, you know, the town hall or the team meeting and you raise your hand to ask for and ask a question, right? It's little moments like that where we have to just get pushed out of our comfort zone, but it's little moments like that that put you on the radar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is that is so important. So that's really great advice that you gave. And so now you're in this space where you're paying it forward, you're using your experiences uh, and now you're working as a leadership coach just inspiring other women in their own careers. How do you approach mentoring and coaching women when it comes to navigating challenges they're facing and accelerating their careers? Yes, great question. So the way I approach it is first educating my clients and women in my community on what the barriers are. So specifically for Black women, there's plenty of research out there that has outlined everything that we're feeling, other women are feeling it too. And sometimes mm -hmm. we think that we're alone, but all the research shows that, okay, we know that being a Black woman in the workplace, you're going to wrestle with being the only. You're going to wrestle with microaggressions, right? So the trainings that are embedded in my Bold Moves Career Accelerator is helping women navigate those challenges. How do you address those microaggressions, right? So when someone says something that offends you or you thought it was inappropriate, what do you say to that? Because I think once we find out what we're up against and how to navigate it, it clears space out the way so we can focus on what really matters, which is advancing our career and getting to that leadership position. Because a lot of the women that I work with, they are ambitious, right? But it takes some, and in our coaching sessions, where it takes some building up your confidence, reminding yourself that you can do this. It, like, whatever you think is possible for you, is possible for you, right? And I would say the last sort of step in that approach of like how I approach uh, and how I coach clients is giving every client who works with me and goes through this Bold Moves Career Accelerator program a roadmap. So once you leave the program, you have 
a roadmap that outlines where you want to go, the skills you need to get there, and the people who can help you get there. And the reason why we focus on those three things is because there are people in your organization that have access to opportunities that you just need to have a conversation with about what you're interested in so they can open doors for you. And it goes back to what we were talking about, like just having that courage to ask for help so that way more doors can open. Yes, I agree with you. And, and, I, and I do love that. It's it's so important that we, we build up that courage, that we're able to ask for that help. And I think what you're doing is, is so important because like you said, you know, it, it, there seems to be a lot of women working. There seems to be a lot of women of color working. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you step into the higher ranks of corporate America, it, it's, it's very few. I remember working in corporate America and I used to work on a senior executive layer. And every month I used to run a meeting on some metrics and data. So that was my job with the senior executives. And it would be 12 of the VPs, occasionally the CEO in there. And it was literally 10, 11 men, 10 white men, one black man, no woman. I was the only woman, the only black woman, the mm. youngest person in that room. And it was very intimidating because I remember in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with one of the executives earlier on in my career at that, at that company, going over data with him. And he said to me, well, what are you talking about? I've been working here since before you were born. <laughs> And I was like, yes, but the data doesn't lie. <laughs> right. Care right. how long oh working God. here, okay? Listen, that's another thing about being <laughs> the youngest. Oh, my gosh. That is Listen. another thing. When you are the youngest and, like, people just think that they can say whatever because they have, quote, unquote, more experience, it, it, it is a mess. But one of the things when it comes to executives, the mindset shift that I had was realizing that executives are my equal, yes. right? Mm -hmm. When I come into an organization, I see how people treat executives and it's usually we place them on this pedestal. And as you get to interact with more executives, you realize that, oh, they're human just like I am. They have the same insecurities. They battle with imposter syndrome. The stakes are pretty high and sometimes they don't know what the right approach is. They're just doing their best. Mm -hmm. And that's something that as humans, we all can relate to that. Yep. Yep. That, that is so true. And for me, it was always bringing it back to topic. And my mantra was killing them with kindness. Like <laughs> the time where I was called the work baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad you recognize that because I do a damn great job here. Right. <laughs> Don't I? So yeah, that's that's great advice. So looking back on your career, you know, and this experience you shared with us about leading into a difficult situation, a new role, a boss has left, getting to know a new boss, asking for help, doing an exceptional job, getting a raise, starting your own business. What would you say has been your most valuable lesson throughout your career and even now in your business journey that you can impart on the women listening to this episode? Oh, I love this question so much because there's so many lessons. <laughs> I'm like, the last couple of years have been really like teaching me a lot. But if I could summarize all the lefts, all the lessons, I would say, give yourself permission to not be perfect. I think perfection truly kills dreams. 
And if you are a Black woman or a Black man or a Latina woman who feels like you have to show up perfectly at work, start giving your permission, start giving yourself permission not to show up perfectly because there's so much pressure on employees of color. Like some of it we put on ourselves, but then it's also like we feel like we have to represent the entire race just based on how our organization responds to certain things. But I would say that's something that we should start letting go of, that pressure to be perfect. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. That pressure to be perfect can be real, especially if you're working in a high stakes environment, especially if there's a lot of intimidation around you, especially if there's a lot of competition around you. Mm -hmm. But everybody knows that thing. Progress is better than perfection. Yes, yes. And sometimes we don't take action. Yes. We procrastinate because of perfection. So we can limit you. Yep. I'll just, yeah. Yeah. So I I love that. This has been so great, Sinead. Thank you for coming on to share your story, share your journey. Um, I ask everyone who comes to the podcast, what is your clever girl superpower? So I'm going to have you answer that as well. Yes. So my clever girl superpower is I believe I have the power to be authentic and audacious without causing people harm. Authentic and audacious. I love that. Yeah. I can hear it anyway. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad. And we're not even using like video. So I'm glad it's shining through. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear it. And then you did mention your business, No Cream in This Coffee. Please tell people, remind us of the services you offer, where we can keep up with you, learn more about your business, your website address, et cetera. Yes. So you can find more about the business on nocreaminthiscoffee.com. You can find me on Instagram at nocreaminthiscoffee. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Shanae Brown. So connect with me there. Some of the services that I offer, one-on-one leadership coaching. So if you want to find out more information about the Bold Moves Career Accelerator, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or on our website. If you want to join the Healing Hour I don't know when this episode is going to air, but this uh, community conversation where we unpack the barriers that Black women face happens every month. So whenever you're listening to this episode, just go over to our Instagram page and you'll see the latest healing hour and you can sign up for it there. I love that. And we'll be sure to include the links to your site, your LinkedIn in the in the show, on the show notes as well. Thank Amazing. you so much, Renee. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.